Praise the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody of all ages. <laughs> uh, I'm really excited to be here this morning. My name is Brian. Um, I'm part of the team here at Grace Gathering. And this Friday was a really special day uh, for me and for my wife, Shandy, uh, because we celebrated our five-year anniversary. So, yes. Very excited. Uh, I believe we have a, a picture from our wedding day. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> uh, we, uh, we did a, a bunch of special things this year leading up to it. Our, our actual anniversary day date uh, was super fun. We took a gift card to Chipotle, uh, and then we ended up at the Just Cream uh, ice cream boutique just across from Kroger. Chase, my man, uh, told me which ice cream to get. It was so good. Um, so, so we're really thankful for how God uh, has blessed us over these past five years. But there was a time where I thought we may never end up together. You see, back in middle school, we met. Um, Shandy and I met in sixth grade, and we were always a part of the same friend group. And then in eighth grade, um, I had a dream. Maybe it was a prophetic dream. I don't know. Uh, but I woke up that day thinking, I like this girl, and someday I'm going to marry her. Uh, and if you are a single person, uh, Take notes and then write, don't do this, right above that. <laughs> so, so I took the next several years, I wasn't allowed to date until I was 16, so I took the next several years just really, you know, working that, that groundwork, laying that foundation, being a good friend, all of this stuff. And then when we turned 16, we turned 16 just a, a few days apart, uh, right at the end of our sophomore year of high school, uh, we got our licenses around the same time, and then... That summer, I finally got up the courage to ask Shandy out on a date. And uh, we were going to go out for ice cream, and, and it was going to be awesome. And, and here's the thing. She never said no. But we also never actually went on the date. <laughs> you know, I get it. I get it. She's busy. Uh, you know, she, her dad lived. We went to Whitco out in, like, South Whitley, Columbia City area. Um, she was, her dad lived up here in Huntertown, so a lot of summertime, she'd be up here. I get it, you know, she had a lot going on. I actually asked her out on a few more dates that summer. Um, we never totally went on any of them, but she did, again, she never said no. So in my head, those are basically just as good as yeses. Uh, <laughs> so we go into our junior year, and I'm thinking, okay, we've been on three dates. We're off to a good start. <laughs> And a few weeks into the semester, I build up the courage to ask her, not just on a date, to be my girlfriend. Just jumping straight in, going for it. We're going to get married someday anyways. <laughs> and uh, I remember it was, before, it was before school one day. We had gone to a student council meeting. We were walking out before class, and I caught up to her in the hallway. And I, just, I, I, I grabbed her attention. I told her how much I cared about her and how I really thought this could be something special I asked her to be my girlfriend, and this time she did say no. <laughs> now, she handled the situation with a lot of grace, a lot of sensitivity. She, she was awesome, uh, but I, obviously I had these really high expectations. Someday we were going to get married. And so to hear no, I, I just did not know what to do. I was, I was just completely crushed. I actually found out later that she already had a boyfriend at the time, uh, so that probably played into it a little bit, too. I didn't know that. <laughs> that was a one-track mind. <laughs> um, 
But the emotions that I felt that day were completely paralyzing. I mean, I was crushed. I was confused. I was insecure. I was frustrated. I was completely distracted the rest of the day. My, my, my chest was tight. I didn't know uh, what was going on in any of my classes. And I just felt so down. And, and you know, that, that's to be expected. But, but then that day turned into several days. And then those emotions of those several days turned into a few weeks. And eventually I continued to feel this way for even a few months. Just day after day, sad, down, frustrated, distracted. I remember my, my parents would actually ask me uh, a lot, like, are you doing okay? Are you sure? And I just, my, my uh, repeated answer uh, was just, oh, I'm just tired. You know, I got a lot going on with school, cross country, and just tired. And even as far as a couple months after, after this happened, um, I was hanging out at my friend Travis's house. Um, and we would go there all the time, basically family. And, I, you know, I thought I was hiding things well. I, I was kind of embarrassed that I still felt this way. You know, it was just, it was just a girl. And uh, it was several months later, we were hanging out at his house. I thought we were having a bunch, a bunch of fun. And uh, all of a sudden, Travis's dad, Mike, pulled me aside. And he said, Brian, are you, are you doing okay? You just seem really down lately. And, and I tell that story because we all experience emotions like this. Sometimes it's, it's really, really significant. Sometimes it's smaller. But we all experience emotions like this, either in our own lives or in people close to us. Now, I am the type of person, my personality, I, I call myself a blind optimist, uh, because even if the situation doesn't really call for optimism, I tend to be optimistic anyways. It tends to drive my wife nuts. Um, and, uh, but, but sometimes I just, I don't know about you, I just feel like a complete head case. Like I just feel like my emotions are up and down and all over the place. The reality is, it can be caused by many things. It might be just lack of sleep, and maybe uh, our life feels out of balance. Uh, maybe we're hurt someone or feeling inadequate. The list goes on. But the reality is we have all felt this way. We have all experienced the effects of mental brokenness. Last week, Paul McConaughey taught part one of this, this little two-part series. And, and we looked at a bunch of the direct and the indirect ways in which what we call the fall, this is uh, in the story of the Bible, everything was beautiful and perfect at the very beginning in Genesis 1 when God created it. We had a perfect relationship with God, with each other, and we had a, a very clear mission that we were able to engage with. And then just a couple chapters later in Genesis 3, sin enters the world, uh, brokenness enters the world. And because of that, we all now experience sin and brokenness in our everyday lives. And so we talked about how that impacts our mental health. Uh, we all experience brokenness, even in our minds. Uh, it could be caused by a number of factors. Um, a, a list might include things like an environmental condition that negatively impacts us, an inherited genetic problem, 
malfunctioning brain chemistry, experiences that have damaged us, trauma. A lot of times it's not even just one of those things. It could be layers of those things. We also talked about how mental illness exists on a spectrum. Paul said that he talked to his psychiatrist friend in the UK, and he said that when we think about psychological disorders, a lot of times we think about the most extreme cases. But the reality is that all of these thoughts, all these thought patterns exist on a spectrum, and that each of us experience a lot of these same symptoms at different times in our lives to different degrees and severities. Uh, here's a list of common symptoms that, that we might experience. Uh, just, just look through this list for a moment. Are there things up here that, that you have experienced, that you are experiencing? Someone close to you. And the big idea last week was that we need to remove the stigma of mental illness and provide safe spaces for people to talk about it. Because the reality is it's everyone's experience of the fall. It's everyone's experience of sin and brokenness. And, and when we universalize it, we don't say, oh, well, my experience is the same as yours. Uh, because clearly some people have different experiences, different levels of severity, but we are inspired towards empathy. We are inspired to, to walk together in this and to seek healing and wholeness for each other. And so that was, that was what we talked about last week. Here's the reality. We all experience the effects of brokenness on our mental health. But here's the good news we're going to talk about today. The way of Jesus is the way to wholeness. The way of Jesus is the way to wholeness. Jesus isn't just an idea, not just a religion or a political position. He's a person that we can know and love and be loved by. And when we spend time with him, he actually transforms and heals us. And that's what we're talking about today. That's the good news. So, so I want to pray for us. Uh, and then we're going to read uh, in Matthew 26. So let's pray. God, we stand here this morning knowing that you want to bring healing and wholeness to us. Jesus, you, you say at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, not if uh, the storms come, if, you're, you know, if something bad happens, you say when the storms come, make sure you're built on a firm foundation. And so we just ask, Holy Spirit, would you come? We know you're here in this room. Would you open up our ears, open up our hearts to who you are? Would you speak directly to us? And would you cover us in good news here this morning? Amen. So if you have your Bibles or, or a phone or tablet, pull up Matthew 26. This is a story many of us might be familiar with. This is coming up to the climax of Matthew's gospel. It, it happens when, when Jesus just had his last supper. He's about to go to the cross. Right in between there, he takes some time to go to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. 
uh, about what is about to happen. So we're going to pick up in verse 36. It says this. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove or garden called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said, Peter, couldn't you watch with me for even one hour? Keep watch and pray, please, so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time saying the same things again. Then he came to the the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But look, the time has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. So this is the the climactic part of the story leading up to the cross, where Jesus, who is God, we're just, you know, coming to the end here, uh, this is the end of following the entire Old Testament, the entire Hebrew Bible testifies to Yahweh, creating everything perfectly, and then slowly, according to our standards, but over time, bringing things together and making things right. That same God is Jesus, and he's standing in the garden. Now, Jesus never sinned, but as a complete 100% God and 100% human, he did experience the effects of the fall from others in the world around him, and it impacted him. It says, it says in the Bible, he was anguished and distressed, He said, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. I mean, how is that for some empathy? The God of the universe has experienced what you are experiencing. So if the way of Jesus is the way to wholeness, then what do we see Jesus doing when he faced mental and emotional suffering and pain? This morning, I just want us to notice these three paths to wholeness, these three actions that Jesus took in the midst of the most difficult time in his life. They're very simple. The first one is this. If we want to model ourselves after Jesus and imitate his example, when we feel these emotions, we have to listen to God. We have to listen to him. Jesus, when he was facing this traumatic situation, He didn't just disappear. He went to the garden to pray. He spent time with his heavenly father. He spent time listening to him, talking to him. Is this our first response? Or do we do something else? Is it much easier when we feel off balance to just disappear into social media 
or just turn on some Netflix? Do we assume that we can't take these things to God because, well, it's not really for him to deal with. I'll just carry it myself. That's not what Jesus did. He, he went straight to the heart of the Father and engaged him with all of the vulnerability, with all of the rawness of his emotions. I'll be honest, this past week has been absolutely crazy at our house. Uh, long story short, we have felt over time, we've been engaged up here at the north for about five years, but we've we felt uh, recently that God has been prompting us to actually move up here. Um, and so through a lot of prayer, um, it's incredible God opened up this house uh, in Pine Valley. So we'll actually be living really close to a bunch of you. We're really excited. Um, what that means is, this was last Wednesday, uh, a week and a half ago. What that means for us is now we have to sell our house. Um, and so uh, we, the offer was accepted on a Thursday afternoon. We were on our way down to Tennessee for a retreat. We got back Saturday night a week ago. And every waking moment since then uh, has been working on our house. And I knew that this week was going to be stressful. Um, I mean, it's just, you know, all the things that you got to do to get your house ready to sell as quickly as possible. Uh, As soon as we got home from work, it was instantly working on the house and then staying up late into the night. Uh, I knew that I'd be preparing for this this morning. uh, And I also have a really big paper due a week from tomorrow for school that I haven't started yet. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Um, But my wife is carrying a lot of weight in all of this as well. Um, And so I just knew this was going to be a really stressful week. Um, So I knew on Tuesday, we were on on our way to work on Tuesday. I knew this was going to be a a potential issue if we didn't turn to God first. Um, So we'd already been a few days in. And on Tuesday, I was driving uh, the kids actually kind of up here um, to drop them off at their babysitter. Shandy was driving on her way to work. We were on the phone. And I, I just said, babe, I feel like we need to pray. I feel like we need to ask God uh, to, to help us, to sustain us for this week. And so uh, I just prayed and I was asking God, you know, God, would you continue uh, to give us words of grace or, or, or prophetic signs or pictures uh, or just reminders, whatever it is, would you continue to just encourage us that we're making the right decision, that we're not crazy? Uh, and that I specifically asked for peace. I get up to the next stop, peace would, would cover us. We get off the phone, uh, I get up to the next stoplight, and I, I pull out the Bible app on my phone because a lot of times in the morning I'll, I'll pull that up and I'll look up the daily verse and then I'll listen to the next chapters of what I'm reading. And the daily verse was found in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. And it's his peace that will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I mean, I was just blown away. Instantly, I felt God's peace just wash over me. I just asked my heavenly father for this and immediately he sent me this. Not to mention the fact that not only are these verses perfect for the situation, um, but they're actually uh, what I call like dear friends. You know, think about the library of scripture. We're all engaged with different parts of it, but sometimes there are certain stories or passages uh, or verses that just have been friends to us at different points in our journey. And a couple years ago, I memorized these verses uh, when I was feeling really worried about something. Um, And so it just felt like a really personal reminder. And what's great is it actually goes on. 
Uh, and it's perfect for what we're talking about today. It says in verse 8, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, what is pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you have heard and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. You see, a lot of times our mental brokenness is, is maybe caused or perpetuated by the enemy speaking lies into our life. We start to believe these lies about who God is, about who we are, about who those are around us. And we need to listen to our Heavenly Father for the, this truth that can help us to start to think rightly uh, so that we can be renewed and transformed by the renewing of our minds. What does this look like to listen to God? We have to, to spend time with him in prayer, to talk to him honestly and vulnerably, to be really, to not hide, hold anything back, to say I'm in anguish and grief, to read scripture, to memorize it, to remind ourselves of his promises, to write it on a post-it note on our mirror, to, to put it in our car, put it on our phone as our background, whatever it is. We have to be reminded of the truth. What scriptures do you need to meditate on that will bring healing and wholeness? What is it that you need to do to listen to God in the midst of what you're experiencing? If we're going to follow Jesus' example of the way to wholeness, we have to listen to our Heavenly Father. The second thing Jesus does is he, he teaches us that we have to lean on one another. Jesus, who is God, did not carry this weight alone. He asked his close friends, his, his very closest friends, Peter, James, and John, who actually became family to him, to go and pray with him. Now, they, they didn't do a very good job. Uh, that's a different sermon for a different day. The point is Jesus as our example to follow, knew that when he went to pray, he needed others to go with him. He was vulnerable with them and honest. It says in James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Galatians 6 2 says, tells us to share each other's burdens, and in this way we are obeying the law of Christ. We simply cannot be healed on our own. We need each other. There's a successful psychologist named Dr. Lawrence Crabb. Uh, he was a psychologist for about 25 years uh, when he moved away from that because he, he felt like he discovered something that was even better uh, than medicine. Just not to say that medicine is not helpful. It could be perfectly appropriate, uh, depending on the situation. Uh, but he, he moved away from that because he really felt convinced uh, that there was something even more that he wanted to put his focus into. He was actually a professor uh, over at Grace Theological Seminary in the 80s, uh, but he's been all over the place. Uh, but he wrote a book called Connecting, Healing Ourselves and Our Relationships. And in it, he says this, Beneath what our culture calls psychological disorder is a soul crying out for what only community can provide. He says a little bit later, releasing the power of God through our lives into the hearts and souls of others requires that we both understand 
and enter into a kind of relating that only the gospel makes possible, a kind of relating that I call connecting. This kind of relating depends entirely on deep fellowship with Christ and then spills over onto the people, onto other people with the power to change lives, not always on our own timetable or in the ways we expect, but as the sovereign spirit moves. And this is coming from a trained psychologist. I know that there have been many times in the, over the past few years as we have been engaged in what we call a missional community, uh, which is like a, just a mid-sized group of people all on the journey together to be family uh, and discover Jesus. And uh, there's been so many times over the past few years where someone has brought something to the group and, and realized that they have been uh, thinking things that are unhelpful, that are, are hurtful, that, that maybe they're just experiencing uh, depression or anxiety or worry. And when we bring these things together, we, we, we pray together, uh, we seek God together, we, we bring scriptures to mind for each other, and, and through that process, we start to experience healing. When we, when we experience the effects of mental illness or mental brokenness, what the enemy wants to do is isolate us. But God and Jesus' example is to open ourselves up. It's to be vulnerable with each other and allow the spirit to move in our community. Are you trying to take on mental brokenness on your own? Are you regularly asking others for prayer? processing things with others, being vulnerable with other Christian sisters and brothers. Because the way of Jesus is the way to wholeness. And what we see in Jesus's life is that he teaches us to lean on one another. Lastly, Jesus teaches us that if we were to walk in his ways on the path to wholeness, we have to live with purpose. Jesus, after he was listening to the Father and leaning on a spiritual family, he embraced the mission that was set before him and headed towards the cross. It says in Hebrews 12, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Uh, an early church father named Augustine, he was a, a bishop in the, like the 400s AD uh, in Northern Africa. He, t- he coined this term for sin, um, and I, I'd, I'd heard this concept long ago. I just looked up a YouTube video on how to pronounce it <laughs> yesterday, uh, but it's incurvatus in se. It's Latin for turned or curved inward on oneself. This is his picture of sin and what, the effects of sin. We are, we are just compelled by sin to like just turn in on ourselves rather than opening up. Martin Luther later expounded on this idea, and he said this, Our nature, by the corruption of the first sin, being so deeply curved in on itself, that it not only bends the best gifts of God toward itself and enjoys them, but it also fails to realize that it so wickedly, curvedly, and viciously seeks all things, even God, for its own sake. When we allow our mental brokenness, our situation, to turn us in on ourselves. We cut ourselves off from the healing work of the spirit of Jesus. Even in the midst of grief 
anguish, anxiety, depression, worry? Are you still compelled by the spirit of Jesus to move beyond yourself and onto the mission that God has called you to? Or do you just want to keep to yourself? I mean, however big our issues are, we all have issues. We've all got lots of them. We are still called to make a difference in the lives of the people around us. I know that when I'm feeling especially down about something, the last thing I'm thinking about is other people. I mean, I'm just sitting down. I'm just thinking about my problems. I'm thinking about how worried I am. I'm thinking about how frustrated I am. I'm not thinking about reaching out, but that's what Jesus did. And that's the path to healing and wholeness. He was experiencing anguish and grief, and yet he still moved on towards his mission of the cross. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good works, the good things he planned for us long ago. Before he created the world, he knew you. He knew that he had created you for good things to do, to make an impact in the world and to change people's lives. What has God called you to that you can move into? Maybe it's big C, you know, life calling, or maybe it's simply what has God called you to in this season or even this day? Is there a neighbor that you need to bless? Is there a coworker you need to pray for? Is there a classmate that you need to reach out to? It is nearly impossible to get fully healed if we are not moving into the purposes that God has for us. We can't let our mental brokenness cause us to stay where we're at. That's exactly what the enemy wants. Because the way of Jesus is the way to wholeness, and Jesus gives an an example to follow. He lives with purpose. Living with, listening to God, leaning on others, living with purpose. What is something that God is stirring inside of you this morning? I want to end by reading a testimony of someone from our church uh, who embodies this way of living despite experiencing uh, some significant effects of mental brokenness. Uh, Really thankful for this testimony. It's a very brave testimony. It's someone who deals with uh, what what you might recognize uh, being called uh, multiple personality disorder. Um, that's actually, he, he shares, it's actually kind of an old way of talking about it. Um, but he's going to read, I'm going to read this. When I learned that the leaders of Grace Gathering were planning to do a teaching series on mental health, I decided that I wanted to share a little bit of my personal story. I have a mental condition known as DID, which stands for Dissociative Identity Disorder. For those of you unfamiliar with that term, you might know it better by the previous outdated terminology, multiple personality disorder. Due to the way this condition has been portrayed in movies and TV shows, many people have, mistaken the, have the mistaken idea that people with DID are dangerous, violent people. The truth of the matter is that because DID is caused by severe trauma, usually in the form of repeated abuse in early childhood, Most people who have it are very shy and withdrawn, but also very gentle and kind because we would never want to hurt someone else the way that we were hurt. 
I first started to realize that there was more than one person in my head when I was in high school. As you can imagine, it was very scary for me. It was even more scary for the other parts of me that I had just met, who didn't feel like they belonged in this body and weren't even sure that they were real people. Over the next several years, we saw several different therapists who didn't feel like we were making much, if any, progress in figuring out what was happening. We saw a psychiatrist who put us on some psychiatric meds, and they helped with some of the symptoms of depression and anxiety, but didn't really cure us or give us answers we were looking for. These years were agonizing. We had a lot of confusion, depression, despair, and at times even suicidal thoughts. But since I had given my life to Christ before I became aware of any of my other selves, the grace of the Holy Spirit helped us to avoid the temptation to actually attempt suicide. We had hope in God that although these things appeared very bleak, he would help us through. Eventually, the assistance of some fellow Christians in a Bible study, I found another therapist, one who was not only a Christian himself, but a specialist in DID. He was the first to actually diagnose me as DID, and he recommended a course of treatment that was different from any of my previous therapists. They had told me that I had to merge the others with myself or just get rid of the others, and I'd been trying to do that for years under their guidance and praying about it, but getting nowhere. This new therapist suggested that I learn to accept the others and be grateful to them as parts of me that have helped me survive the difficult times in my life. He said that I could learn to live with them rather than struggling to get rid of them. We were so frustrated with all of our previous failures that we were willing to try it. Over the next several years, I and my other selves learned to exist in harmony with each other, love and respect each other, and work together as a team to live our shared life. In fact, we learned these lessons so well that we were able to be totally weaned off all of our psych meds, praise God. I'm saying all of this to communicate that in mental health, as with physical health, curing is not always the same thing as healing. God has not cured us of our DID in the sense that the world would consider cured, that is, merging all of us back together into one identity. But that's okay, because he has helped us, through the help of our therapist, to emotionally heal from the traumas of our past and to spiritually heal. The healing that God has brought to us is so much more real and more fulfilling than the world's idea of curing could ever be. It will always be difficult for us to live with DID, but now we know that we can do it through the help and grace of our Lord and Savior. He's helped us realize that we don't have to become one identity again just to order, in order to serve him. He can use us as we are, as a family on mission for him. We all love him and are eternally grateful to him for helping us to heal, even though that healing took a different form than we would have ever imagined back when we were in high school. The Lord doesn't always give us what we want, but he does give us what we need, which is so much better. And for that, we praise him. And to end, he quotes Psalms 94, 19. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comfort delights my soul. I mean, isn't that amazing? You know, I don't know. um, Maybe many of us would consider that one of the more severe, certainly more debilitating uh, expressions of this mental brokenness that we all experience. And yet God can even do a good work there. 
which means I know that he can do a good work of healing in each of us. Sometimes it's, it, our experiences are caused by external factors. Sometimes it's our own sin. Sometimes it's both. Are there things in your life today that need to change in order for you to experience healing? Are there lies that you're believing that you perpetuate in your mind rather than listening to who God says you are? Do you refuse to be vulnerable? Do you find it difficult to open up to others? Just kind of put on the smiling face, yeah, I'm just doing fine, or I'm just tired, rather than leaning on the spiritual family that God has given you. Do you choose to sit down in the waters of your mental and emotional pain? Or do you live with purpose, by faith, allowing God to use you to bless others and invite them into his kingdom? Because Jesus came to give you peace. He came to give you hope. came to give you a family. came to give you a purpose. Because the good news for us today is that the way of Jesus is actually the way to wholeness and healing. How is it that Jesus wants to bring you healing today? Let's pray. God, thank you for this word. Thank you for your truth. Jesus, thank you for your example. I pray even now in these coming minutes that you would do a work in us, that we would respond to you in faith and obedience, and that you would bring healing and wholeness to all of us. Amen.